to Inner Bloom, a podcast about how to live a happier, healthier, more harmonious life as you learn how to work with the universe, reconnect with your intuition, and bloom from within. I'm Alexa, a writer, producer, and EFT practitioner with a passion for all things metaphysical. And with me is my friend and co-host, Ambie. I'm Ambie, a physical therapy assistant, mom of three, an intuitive medium who has been communicating with the spirit world since the age of five. Some might call it woo-woo, but from our perspective, anything is possible, and we intend to normalize the abnormal by sharing our own life experiences as well as intuitive insights, channeled material, wisdom from special guests, and any other resources we believe will help our souls expand and thrive. Hello, all you bloomers. Welcome back to another episode, our second episode of the day, actually. But Ooh, we're busy. If you're, if you're listening on a podcast, you don't know that. Um, what is this, Aquarius season? Yeah, I, I don't even know. What does that mean? I, I remember like Aquarius. Never mind. It doesn't matter. I already forget. I'm so bad with astrology. It's very like <laughs> like um, motivated and like punctual and stuff. Oh, okay. We're not talking about that. We're talking about relationships today. <laughs> well, we we are not alone. We are joined by the amazing Julia Phoenix, relationship coach, speaker, transformational <laughs> healer, who is here with us this month to um, – uh, in something that we're calling Forever Love February, where we are talking about love and how to create more of it. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alexa. Hi, Ambie. I'm so thrilled Hi. to be here again. Yeah. Been excited all week. Yeah, we are Us too. too. Man, let me tell you too, so many. I was going back into the first episode we released and I was just like, so many nuggets in there and other people were reflecting that back as well like so many juicy nuggets especially the piece about um feelings um indicating you know unmet needs negative emotions mm-hmm. indicating unmet needs i think that that really blew my mind and i was hearing from a lot of other people that was a real eye opener for them as well so wow i'm so glad to hear that i'm so thrilled to hear that yeah. If you haven't e- listened to episode one, um, it was released last Friday. Go check it out. And mm-hmm. uh, Julia, what are we talking about this week? Week two. Well, we, I thought we would get into like basically the big kahuna um, that, I, that I, I primarily will work with people on actually. I love working on communication, boundaries, like all of the relationship skills. But this is like the big issue that most people come to me with. And that's why can I not create the relationship that I want? Yeah, it's yeah. a big one. I so it's a huge one. Is this in the aspect of I have a relationship and something happens or I'm alone, I can't find a relationship or is this an all-encompassing? Could be both. Yeah, okay. could be both because it's going to be similar causes, you know, mm-hmm. for any of those situations. But what I'm curious actually that I was going to ask you guys is, what have you heard from listeners, maybe, if anything, about their challenges in this area, about this topic? Like, what are say, the most common scenarios for people? I would say, like, um, I've heard listeners feeling unsupported from their partners. Okay. Ooh, okay. I Yeah, that's one. One of the most common things I've heard, and one this is something I experienced quite a bit as well before my current 
relationship um, was constantly creating like long-term, sorry, not long-term, long-distance relationships or like emotionally unavailable relationships. It's it's kind of like a Mm. half relationship. It's Mm. like kind of there but not all the way and being unsatisfied but also not wanting to – like there's a little bit there but it's not the whole thing, right? I would love to speak to that. That's such a good one. And, um, you know, there's so many different patterns and so many ways in which this can play out almost as many as there are like humans on the planet. Um, you know, because for, I think for some people it is that sense of, I can't seem to actually find anyone Mm -hmm. and I don't understand, you know, I worked with one girl I remember. And for the longest time she had this pattern where she would date a guy for like three months and then almost like on the dot at the three month mark, he would, you know, kind of, um, remove himself from the, from the relationship. Um, and, and then there are, you know, there are like, I, I keep meeting the person who betrays me and cheats on me, keep getting into the same dynamic with like a narcissistic person, Mm. you know, all of these kind of, um, repetitive patterns, feeling unsupported is also a big one. And mm-hmm. as you guys know, I mean, I, I, I spoke about this mostly on, on the very first podcast that I did with you guys, but I'm sure I touched on it in the last one as well. And I'm huge on the childhood roots of all of these issues. Um, and, and this is, I'm excited to talk about this topic, I think specifically for your listeners, because I know that most of them have an understanding of the law of attraction. Would mm-hmm. you say that's right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Yeah, totally. Like probably more than a more than an yeah, understanding. Almost probably all. like students. Yeah, like students of the law of attraction. So so we maybe- screen listeners ahead of yeah. time, and if they don't subscribe, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> like, do you know who Abraham Hicks is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> there are prerequisite <laughs> homeworks to listen to our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So so yeah, so I, I love to talk about the law of attraction and, and um, how it relates to this because I think what a lot of people don't understand and, and many people also do is that um, you know neuroscience has actually studied this, but ninety five percent of what we create in our reality mm-hmm. and the choices that we make on a daily basis and how we show up on a daily basis comes from our subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. So not our conscious mind, that five percent. Where, you know, we're doing these, um, like, I, you know, I see a lot of people out there doing these, like, manifestation, visualization exercises, and, you know, um, what is your perfect partner like, and what is the relationship like, and, and that stuff is, like, those are awesome tools, you know, and I will recommend those things as well. But then it's like, okay, I'm doing all my things, I've been doing my visualization, I've been, you know, thinking positively, I've been, like, working on loving myself. So like, why, why, (laughs) you know, do I keep meeting the same person that reminds me of my dad or, you know, right. What were you going to say? I was going to say, um, we did a channeling today that will come out Wednesday. And I remember, uh, they said, however you want to create your experience. Sometimes you need other human beings to help you create the experience you want to have or something like that. Right. Mm. So what I'm just like understanding is like, oh, you're one of the humans. Like you're one of the humans that will help. Like, hello. <laughs> it all like comes <laughs> She's here, everybody. Um, I have arrived. All- <laughs> <laughs> but it all comes full circle is like, it's not enough to just sit with our journals and manifest what we want to manifest. We have to do like the dirty work 
air, it dirty work, right? In order to really create change. 100%. I mean, and that's what I've seen to be the truth in my own life and in the lives of many others. And so it's like, it's not that you won't get any results if you're just, you know, what, what you're the level on which you're primarily working is like affirmations or positive focus. It's not you that you won't get any, you know, results, but it it's like, it just pales in comparison to the power of choice that you can have mm-hmm. when you've integrated more of what's been in your subconscious, when, you know, when you have more of um, your faculties on board to create what you want, because what ends up happening for most of us is that we experience things in childhood and, and, you know, um, sort of the age ranges vary, but uh, it's usually up until about age eight or nine, Um, is when most of our imprinting occurs. And so up until that point, we're not able to cognitively reason in the same ways that we are as adults or even um, older children where it's like, oh, like mom is saying this thing to me, but like that doesn't mean it's true because she's probably angry because she had a long day at work. Like if you're five, that's not happening. You're experiencing and internalizing what's happening through um, felt perception in your body, you know, and and through the emotions and the energy and the direct messages that you're being given. And and those things that we experience become stamped on our field, like in our subconscious mind, in our bodies, you know, in our auric fields. And then it, it kind of tends to echo out. So, you know, okay, mom's, mom's tired after a long day of work, just going with that example. And you know, she yells at me about nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, I might like, you know, later on in my teenage years, have I have teachers that yell at me about nothing. I'm always getting in trouble for shit I didn't do, you know? And then I might have partners that have the very same pattern, you know, mm-hmm. right. um, and make, or make me feel the very same way that I felt because it's not a, about matching the situations exactly. It is about the matching vibrations, so we have this understanding, we have this idea that it's like, oh, I'm having this new experience in this relationship. And some of that may be true, but a lot of the times what we're seeing as a new experience is actually just an old experience that we're experiencing consciously for the first time. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It also blew my mind and it makes sense at the same time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Blowing minds is good, especially yours, Andy, because you're <laughs> lower yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, that's sort of how it, how it happens. Cause it's like you're broadcasting this from your subconscious. So Alexa, with the example that you gave about um, long distance relationships, mm-hmm. it's very common for people who have that pattern that a, they either don't feel safe being close to people and they're probably not really aware of that. So there's a part of them that's actually keeping them behind a screen because that's safer or B they experienced a lot of abandonment, whether that was physical abandonment or emotional neglect or abandonment, which is just as bad. Okay. For me. (laughs) Was that a bingo? Well, I was just saying, because like I literally had, I I literally used to joke. I would be like, I don't know how I do it. I walk into a room and I pick the one person who's not from this place in the room. Yeah. It's because your inner child is picking. Exactly. Yeah, it's a vibrational <laughs> thing. And but anyway, so those two things that you just hit on were two really big things about me growing up 
So it, yeah, absolutely. So the feeling signature of like this person is sort of here, Mm -hmm. but I can't actually touch them and they're not close. They're also so far away. Um, That's going to be similar to the feeling signature or the feeling tone or the vibration, whatever you want to call it that you experienced as a child. And it's really an opportunity if we use it that way to do that healing work, to use that experience to basically pull us back in time to, um, to integrate something that needs to be integrated, to transmute something that needs to be transmuted. Uh, so your inner child is like, you know, trying to get your attention there. That's all, another way to sort of look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We tend to want to um, rewrite the story. So, you know, if you had emotionally absent or physically absent parents um, and developmentally, you absolutely need presence, you know, emotionally and physically from your caregivers uh, as a primary need, you're going to um, often manifest partners that are going to present with having those same characteristics and make you feel those same ways so that you can write a different ending. It's like, this time I'm going to make dad pay attention to me and make him love me enough to stay. Mm. But we're not doing this consciously. Right. It's just playing out that way, you know? So, so it becomes then about um, making what's running in the background conscious. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I was just reflecting as you were talking on like and something else I want to bring up is some an interesting thing that will start to happen where like if that's been your pattern for so long, for example, like we'll use my example, right? Where like I I was always picking these people <clears throat> that lived really far away so that I didn't have to have this like really intimate relationship. Right. I could always long for them. I never had to truly show myself. It, if, if I didn't, didn't have to be for long. And I had all these emotional abandonment issues from my childhood, as many people do. Um, uh, well, then when things actually did shift and I did call in a steadier relationship, then it went the other way where I was like freaking out and was like, I, I don't know how yeah. to do this. Like, I, I, And then I would cause chaos in the other direction, you know, which looking right. back, it just it just emphasizes, you know, um, well, I, I guess I'm actually I wanted to bring that up to to get your take on that. Like, you know, can you speak to why that happens? Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so if you were imprinted in this particular way that – Um, you know, you felt that lack of presence, uh, particularly from mom, mom or dad, uh, in your subconscious mind, your, your subconscious definition of love is like longing for someone. Mm. Love is longing. And that's Mm. how you may create a more avoidant personality type. They actually feel like if they miss you, that's, that's what love is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Blowing minds today. Yeah, well, <laughs> on the opposite end of the spectrum, people who um, experienced really intermittent care, it, it's like um, like if, if you're a baby and you're crying and mom comes in sometimes, but other times she doesn't come in and, and you're ju- you just you don't know when you're going to get the needs met, it creates this anxiety in the system. Mm-hmm. And so for people who are more on the anxious end of the spectrum, 
anxiety is love. So I used to actually be, I was more so that way. So if, if I was dating a guy and like, I, I felt this like kind of terror in my, in my system every time I saw a text from them, I was like, this means I love him. Like he's the one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. the stable sensation of someone who was safe I was like, what the fuck do I do with this? This yeah. is, this is boring. This is weird. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like not what I want, you know, because I, I hadn't tweaked. I hadn't changed that definition of love for myself because here's the thing that that requires of us too. And this is why so many people actually on a subconscious level will resist this work is that you have to actually get, if that's not love, that you weren't loved in the way that you needed to be hmm. when you were a child. And that's actually heartbreaking. Yeah. That's hard. I feel like a lot of, I feel like it's relatable to a lot of people because as a parent, it's hard to know how your kids want to be loved. Oh yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So like you can, even the best parent with the best intentions can try to love a child the way that they want to be loved, right? Because that's that's how we interact with other beings. But it might not be what love is to them, or you might yeah. make might be making them seek something that is not actually beneficial. Like for example, I remember, and I think we're all around the same age. But I remember when I was a little girl, if a guy hit me in school, what would your parents say? Oh, that means he likes Mm -hmm. you. Okay. So love is now being bullied or being picked on or being hit or whatever the case may be, whatever kind of narrative you come up with something like that, you know? Um, But it's just interesting how we normalize these different, these different things. Um, like my oldest child doesn't like to be physically touched. Right. Mm, and that's mm-hmm. really hard for me because I'm a very like, well, with my kids, but I'm a very like, I love you. Like, I want to hug you. I want to be there for you. Um, but I, I, it's taken me a while to understand that that's a boundary for him. And that's not how mm-hmm. that's actually a trigger for him. It's not showing love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and I, I just wanted to, piggyback on what you said, Ambi, about like parents not – like they can try their hardest and actually be the best parent. It'd be a really well-intentioned. Like my parents, so well-intentioned, tried yeah. – went above and beyond to show me that they loved me. But they had jobs that – they both worked in the news. So they were very, very busy. And in order to help me feel as loved as possible, they hired au pairs, which was like a a really amazing woman would come from another country and stay with me for a year. And she was like with me all the time for a year. She was like a live-in nanny. And and my first four au pairs were amazing and I loved them so much and I learned so much from them. Mm -hmm. But in that process, I was also continuously being abandoned over and over and over again because they had to leave after a year. So it's like, it's so interesting to see how like I know my parents were like going out of their way to that's mm-hmm. why they hired them. They wanted me to not feel alone. But in the process that abandonment abandonment wound continued to be triggered. Yeah. So I kept manifesting it, you know, and it's yeah. just very interesting to think about. Yeah, and I really I appreciate you both sharing that and I really want people to hear too that this is not like a blame thing. I know it sounds right, kind yeah. of difficult where I'm like 
you know, your parents screwed you over and that's why, you know, like, no, it's, this is actually just the nature of being a human being on planet earth. I mean, for many of us, just even birth is traumatic, like things that are, that we don't really see as traumas are traumas. Like it's, it's just, oh, it's a messy place planet earth Mm -hmm. is right. And our parents often weren't, um, parented wonderfully and they're trying the best they can. You know, I know that for me, like, um, once my mother told me, uh, you know, relative to the neglect that I felt growing up, I've, I felt neglect and, and also, um, abuse at times from her, but, uh, relative to the neglect that I felt with her, it was like, you know, Julia, my mom was so controlling and abusive with me. Mm. I actually, all I wanted was just to be left alone by her. You know, so in that way, it's like she was doing that and her mom was terrible. So it's like she was doing the best that she could do um, to give me what I needed. But she didn't she just didn't really know what that was, you know, Um, and there's a lack of support often for parents, too. There's a lack. I mean, I could get on my soapbox for days about just (laughs) parent resources and parent education. That was actually what I was going to do before I started doing this work. That's why I went and got my master's degree because I wanted to work with parents to understand um, how their own trauma can affect their children and how to move through that and how to parent in a really conscious, loving way. Because my experience when I was working with children for the years that I did was that the parents actually really did want to know those, that like they cared, they wanted to um, understand how to show up. And there's just a lack of uh, resources and understanding around that in general, unfortunately. So, yeah. So, I mean, again, like it, it, it it seems a little dismal when, uh, as we're talking about this too, I'm sure a lot of listeners are like, Oh shit, you know, like this is (laughs) just, and am I just fucked? You know, Um, am I just like, this is just going to happen forever. And the answer is no. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I told a little bit of my story of my childhood on, on the first time I was on the show and um, it was pretty intense. And I also had some really bad relationship experiences and huge relationship triggers um, throughout my life and, and through my adult life because of that. And when I discovered how to, uh, how to shift those imprints, it rapidly started to shift. In fact, the people that I was even attracted to started to change. Like Mm. my body started to internalize that, oh, safety. Like, this is what love feels like. It feels like I'm safe. (laughs) You know, it feels like, you know, this person is here. There's this warmth, they care, you know, they're reliable, like, wow, you know, that's what I actually want. It's not boring to me anymore, you know? (laughs) So we can, we can really absolutely shift these things. Um, do we have any questions or anything, or do you guys have any questions before I like move on to talking about how to do that? I mean, I have questions. I have so many questions. I can just (laughs) sit here all day with you. Um, but I feel like, (laughs) so for me, I grew up with like, that's a single mom, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess my question would be, 
and I guess I'm answering my own question as I'm asking this, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I've never seen a a true like relationship, a true dynamic Mm -hmm. with another individual. Um, how, how does, how do you believe that that affects people's relationships that, that don't get that dynamic? Like, cause I remember watching Roseanne, which is, this is actually really embarrassing, but I remember watching Roseanne thinking like, oh, that's what a marriage should be like. And in retrospect, I'm like, no girl. <laughs> so like, like friend, we are of the same era. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that will definitely, um, impact you just, just any experience, whether it's, you have a single mom or you have parents that are fighting, it's like, Oh, this is what, you know, it looks like to be in a relationship. People fight. Um, Mm -hmm. they break things. It, 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 we just don't know any different. We just sort of absorb that. And often these patterns as well are ancestral. So, you know, Mm and it may not have been that your mother's mother, like, was single, was a single mother, but maybe she had a dynamic in which like she felt like she had to be stronger or didn't need man or do everything on her own. Or it's, it's that sort of a thing. And that flavor is passed down the lineage. Um, and so we just inherit it. Right. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, 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 that's you're it. Good. Did I? Yeah. You're, you're good. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you sit down with me, I can usually identify your primary pattern in like under five minutes. (laughs) Um, And I love to do it, honestly, because I I just I love um, I love understanding humans and the way that we work and the way that we interact with ourselves and each other and the world. And Um, and I love helping people. Yeah, people need that because you're so close to all of your shit that it's really hard to see stuff sometimes, you know? So it's so helpful to have someone like you who can see and help you get very clear on what's going on mm. so that you can Yeah, shift. it's so true. Yeah, and, and I need that even, you know, because yeah. you're absolutely right. Like we have these blind spots when it comes to ourselves. So we need that, um, that reflection. So, you know, I mean, working with, you know, the example that you were giving, Ambi, about um, – being raised by a single mom and not really understanding what a healthy partnership looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's ways in which you could actually, you know, I, I, is it okay if I just like out you as uh, someone of a particular type of relationship to me? Yeah, since go you ahead. Shared it you're fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to share any personal details, but okay. um, <clears throat> you know, and her and her child um, in a new way now. And I love watching that. And it's really, really beautiful to me. And um, one of the things that she's good at is just talking to the inner child and um, kind of reparenting in this way where you're explaining things or you're showing things that just weren't available um, at that point in time. So we can actually do that. Uh, we We can do that in a number of ways. We can get into it by using a trigger or an emotion as a portal back in time to that um, part of us. We can do it by literally just sitting and closing our eyes and asking that uh, part of us or that inner child that contains that imprint to come forward and having a conversation with Mm -hmm. her. But one of the things I've done with my inner child is like, I've given her new parents you know, mm. and I've taken those, those examples from, 
either people in my life, unfortunately, there's sort of a scarcity I've found of like really solid relationships in general, just like amongst people. Um, but even like TV relationships, you know, mm. or even just um, in my mind, what I can think of and feel into as like that partnership that's really healthy and really beautiful. And also when two parents like really love their kid and are super excited to be a parent and devoted to their children and educated and what that is like and what that feels like. Um, because as you guys know, your, your, your brain and your body um, really can't tell the difference much between something that's happening in physical reality and something that you're feeling and imagining in a, mm -hmm. in another sort of construct. Right. Yeah. We also ha do have the power to, um, literally travel back in time <laughs> to these memories, these points at which these imprints were created. So with, with you, Alexa, what I might do is I, I would probably have you, um, if you were my client before you met your awesome, you know, partner now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would, I would probably take you into the feel that feeling of longing. For someone and not having access to them. And I would have you like deeply feel that in your body and stay real present to it because the, the body is the subconscious mind. You know, the body is the this instrument that um is the, speaks the language of the subconscious. So this is another way you can work with patterns. That's why um therapies like somatic experiencing are so helpful. Um, because you can start to shift just by giving the body a new experience. So that's kind of another alleyway. But anyway, um, when when you use that trigger, you, you might um, go back in time. Uh, you know, Teal Swan's process, the completion process, uh, has you asking the question, when was the very first time I, I felt this way? And if you use that process, that's a really good way to get back into the original memory. Some people will do this with hypnosis. There are other techniques, but um, going inside of the memory, it's like you're actually not just inside of the memory. You literally are in another timeline. Yeah. You know? So you have the power to change that timeline. This is like time travel. This is really cool stuff, you guys. It's exciting. Um, you, you guys have, have been wanting this. Yeah, you have the power to change that timeline. And when you move forward, actually be a vibrational match to, to a, a different timeline, mm -hmm. you know, to the point where sometimes I've done this type of a process with someone and it's like the next week they like break up with their boyfriend because they realize they don't want to be with them. And then they're like a match to a totally new situation, mm. you know? Um, because it can, it can shift things so, so dramatically. I love timeline work in general, like future self, past self. And what I've discovered about timelines, I love this because your audience is so kind of advanced in metaphysics and spirituality. I know that they'll get this. I can't talk this way around like every audience, but yeah. <laughs> when you're working with timelines, the cool thing is like when you go forward, um, you go backward. And when you go backward, you go forward. So like I just said, when you go back in time and you change that original imprint, you're catapulted into this new reality and you actually line up quicker with that future that you want. And the same is true. Um, the other direction, I don't know if either of you have ever done future self work. Yes, I have not. 
Okay. It's super powerful. Um, but you know, should come with a warning I feel because when I've done super, uh, future self work and what I notice with others as well is that it's like, you're shifting really, um, abruptly into this new vibrational reality. And so anything that's not a vibrational match to that new frequency is going to come up so that mm. it can, uh, you know, release, transmuted, integrated, healed, whatever words you want to use, right? And so then you go backward. So this is like this beautiful, nonlinear, cyclical nature of time, you know, that we can really play with actually. And it, and it becomes fun. It becomes actually fun. Yeah, it's totally. I've done a lot of that work and it is ridiculously powerful. Yes. And, you know, I especially love when you're talking about um, going back into the memory – because I'm an EFT practitioner, so I do uh, similar things. Oh, do you do um, matrix re-imprinting? What is that? Maybe I do it, but don't call it that. What is that? Oh, I think – no, I think it was actually – it's a different modality that's an inner child modality that uses memory work. But now that I'm remo- – I think I'm remembering correctly, I got the two mixed up because the woman that I did that process with also did EFT and she combined oh, that. Oh, okay, cool. So you're tapping as you're in Going the memory. Back. Well, I do – that is part of what I do. I Maybe I just oh. don't call it that. But anyway, regardless, you know, something that I've – I like to do and something that was taught to me and you mentioned it is like, for example, you know, the ability to give yourself, your younger self, something that you didn't have. Like, so Mm -hmm. I feel like people can really get caught in like that pattern because they never had something. So even when you're going back and you're working with it and often, you know, you can make movement on that, but sometimes it's like, well, that past version really needed to feel something or experience something and if they didn't have the parents that could have given them something like you said you can use your imagination to give yourself and see yourself and feel yourself having this thing that you never had and that has I just I just really love that you're highlighting like the power of the imagination and how Mm -hmm. we our bodies really can't tell the difference um between you know what what's in our imagination and what's in reality, it's feeling all the same, and um, and that work has been incredibly powerful for me, incredibly powerful for people I've worked with, and I know that it is yeah, absolutely, it's quantum. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it quantum. is quantum. Yes, it's and it's super immediate and super transformative. Absolutely, and and yeah, I mean, what's beautiful is I'm kind of feeling um, like this connection to the the last podcast that we did about communication where I was talking about needs and feelings, you know? Yeah. So every feeling that you have relates to an unmet need. Sometimes it's a developmental need. It's a need that your inner child, because we have certain developmental needs that we must have met. Um, otherwise, there are really dire consequences as adults for us, you know? You and a lot examples? of... Yeah, a lot of these are that aren't met. They're not necessarily, at least in first world countries, usually physical needs. Mm-hmm. They're usually emotional needs. They're usually connection needs. So, let's say you need, uh, like a, let's just go with like a simple example. You have a need for um, emotional presence, mm-hmm. for someone to just sit down with you and maybe give you some mirroring, like, oh wow, you're really sad. I can see that you're sad. Yeah. And validation. It's okay to be sad. 
Yeah. It makes sense that you would be sad. And I'm here with you in that. Like simple things like that, you know, they can, they can just move mountains as far as um, getting those needs met. Um, And then the beautiful thing about, about that too, Alexa, and I suspect that you've experienced some of this yourself is that when you, um, when you do that kind of work on a quantum level and you start to get some of those developmental needs met, you become a match then in your current reality, in your current timeline, to people who will meet those needs for you in real time. Yeah. And then mm. that is another layer of healing. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's like I can go back in time and I can be present with my inner child and hold her and say, Oh my God, I know, like I, I wish mom wasn't yelling at you, this isn't okay, or I shouldn't have done that, or whatever. And I can give that um that missing need of uh, nurturing or comfort. Um, but then maybe at first when I come back into my, you know, current timeline, it's like, well, I'm looking around, I don't have those friends around me, but it's incredible how they will show up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. they'll just show up in reality because it's imprinted now it's yeah. in your mm-hmm. field, it's in your body and the body remembers. It's like a, it's like a GPS, you know, where it's like, um, so I love to to have people spend time too in those feeling states where those me- needs have been met, and it's like you're feeling that new sensation. Oh my God, this is what it feels like to be nurtured. Mm. It was oh, like just taking that into all of my cells and just really because I'm 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 uh, making a, a memory, a point on the map, and mm. marking a point on the map to come back to. And I'm also sending out a, a signal um, yeah. for that to come in and it works. Like it super works. It's amazing. <laughs> it does. It does. It's amazing how quickly things can shift once you're like you're connecting with that piece of you. And I think the inner child work yeah. in particular is so powerful because like every time I do an inner child exercise with someone where we're going back and we're, we're going back to a memory, we're communicating with that younger version of themselves, we're asking them, what do you need? At almost mm-hmm. every single time people cry in a beautiful way, I think because yeah. they start to realize, oh my God, that part of me is not, it's not like a past thing. It's a present it's there it's there it still needs I can actually communicate with it and what I like to do is and I'm sure you do this too is is really just kind of like refuse like a partnership and say like I'm here for you always and we can keep communicating you know like Mm. we should keep communicating and checking in with each other and seeing what's going on here because um you know, and Julia, I think you you highlight this so well in your work. It's like the inner child is kind of like the key to everything, you know? Like the inner child is is what where all the information is and and that's where all the pain is stemming from and that's where yeah. all the conflict kind of comes from. It just is expressing now, later. later. Yes. So yes. um so yeah, I mean, I've experienced so. I mean, even just in this relationship with Ambrosia, like this isn't a romantic relationship necessarily. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but it's been, you know, just as like you know, um, challenging and also rewarding mm-hmm. in terms of like. Um, 
like having to do a lot of inner child work and have just today I I was feeling a certain type of way I had to kind of go into my and connect with my inner child and be like what do you need right now what's going on why do you feel this way because I couldn't figure it out and what I heard was like I need support I need support and I was like Mm. I have support and it was like no I need to I need to feel support I need to let in support I need to ask for support I need to receive it I need to really experience it in a new way And because I got that information, I was able to relay that to Ambrosia in the specific way that it needed to be relayed. And we had this really amazing conversation. And very quickly, I think, like, we both, you know, had a new feeling and a new kind of level of our relationship and friendship and working relationship because of it. So mm-hmm. – um, it's it's all just very powerful, and I think the more that you connect and the more you practice connecting and receiving that, yes. right, the, the, the more you know what to do with that information when you get it as well. Yes, 100%. And, you know, I'm, I'm all about relationships, and so I, I love what you're saying because it's really the relationship to the inner child is a relationship. Like, mm, that's, and- that's a quote. Yeah, you, you you have to nurture it, you have to show up and not just when the kid is screaming at you and crying, you know, when you're really super triggered, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go pay attention to you. you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like what most of us do, which we're just like, can you please stop? Like, yeah. I'm trying to be in here, I have things yeah. to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. so when I first met my inner child, um, this was about eight years ago now, I think. Uh, we there wasn't any trust, you know, Mm. he was very wary of me actually, because, um, and I, I of her really, because I had blamed her and kind of scapegoated her, you know, um, in my conscious adult perspective, and she had been abandoned by me, you know? Mm. And so I had to, or not had to, I got to, um, consciously start to create that relationship and maintain it and build trust. And that meant staying with that part of me when she was asking for my attention, when I was feeling that upset and sitting with it, like you described Alexa, Um, or also just connecting and doing something fun. Like I took my inner child on dates, you know, took her to the park, asked her what she wanted to eat for dinner. You know, you know, at the time I wasn't vegan. So I, I am now, but I ate a lot of like dino nuggets, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> that's what she wanted. And yeah. I yeah. was like, okay, I'm spending, I'm spending this time with you or, or to sit and draw. And it was really cool because at the time when I was first starting to do this work, um, I, I was working with kids. And so, uh, which was interesting because sometimes my inner children would come up and they would be like, what about me? Yeah. You know, which sometimes <laughs> happens with parenting too. I'll say, like, yeah, yeah, that's normal if that happens. It's like, but I, what I would do is I would include her. I would consciously like bring the inner child in and be like, you can come sit with us, and we're gonna all color together. You know, mm-hmm. play and and that sort of thing. Or if I felt like, you know, okay, I need to like really go into like adult mode because I have integrity and I have this commitment to work that I'm going to choose to follow through with. I would spend some time um, before going in and I learned how to just put my hands over my heart uh, and, and, you know, ask to see the little girl and just talk to her, see what she needed. And sometimes, you know, it was like, yeah, I I hear you that you're upset and I'm still going to do the thing, but I'm going to be here with you and it's okay to be upset. And I promise I'll check in with you later. The key with that though is, 
Um, if anybody's listening, who's like, want, wants to try that, the key with that is that you have to actually go back and check in later. If you say that you will, because not following through breaks trust yeah. and we're yeah. building trust. Right. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. So those are some tools because this is also about, um, you know, attachment wounding. And so a lot of people don't necessarily make the connection so much between the inner child and relationships, but you know, the inner child was most wounded usually by people, you know, by relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's imperative. It's imperative to work with the inner child. And, you know, if in your case, Alexa, like, the, the dominant wound was sort of abandonment, that powerful, you know, commitment to being present and being there with her is it's just going to create like that massive, massive um, shift that's going to enable you to line up vibrationally with people who also um, want to stay in that way. Mm. Yeah. And it ha- and you know what I was just realizing as you were talking is like I've been doing I think a really good job of connecting with my inner child and when I think of my inner child I think of like five six years old for that's mm. the age that comes up for me, mm. um, but what what is I think my next frontier my next challenge is um, and I will continue to connect with her and she always has so much to teach me, but I think my next challenge is connecting with my. Um, like college age, uh-huh. early 20s me. Okay. I don't know what we want to call her, but um, – Oh, my God. You have so much resistance to her. I can feel oh it. Oh, my God. Like, I don't like, like her like, at all. You're like, whatever you want to call that. I want whatever to erase her that. existence. <laughs> she makes me cringe so hard. Oh, and I was, I've been recognizing recently I've been getting the the – intuition it's like hey that's a part of you too you cannot Mm. just cast her aside or erase her or say i'll accept you little one but not you not you exactly i love that you're sharing this because a lot of people do focus on those really early um aspects of us and there's good reasons for that like i shared but i have found actually alexa that most people have the most resistance to working with like teenage parts Um, but for you also like early twenties, I've done a ton of work with my early twenties self. I mean, that's when I was like drinking and using and eating disorder treatments and just, I mean, it was, it was a rough go for a few years there, you know, but because of that, it's like that aspect of me has needed so much love, you know? Mm -hmm. And if we, if we received a lot of negative mirroring, um, for those parts of us. And if we received praise for, for maybe changing or cutting ourselves off from those parts of us, mm. like for example, when I got sober and believe me, I'm not telling anybody to go out and use drugs. I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly happy that I'm clean and sober. I'll have 11 years on Valentine's day. It's Yay! Fucking awesome. Thank you so much. Um, Julia Phoenix and- 11. Yeah. It's your special Woo! year. Yeah. It's my year. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I call it my rebirth day, which is also like a a very Phoenix type of a. Yeah, it is. I love that. Yeah. Um, But, you know, also um, that being said about being happy to be sober, uh, I I, um, felt so much shame when I was operating in those ways as as an addict. And that's what was mirrored to me as well. 
you know, this is disgusting. This is terrible. Why are you doing this? You know, this you're out of control. You're this or that. And um, when I did get sober and I got also very responsible and adult at that point, I kind of made the decision to totally change my life around and became financing and, you know, like did these things that gave me the positive mirroring and made mm-hmm. me more acceptable to my family and to society. Um, at that point in time, it was like, see you later, bitch. Like, yeah. just kind of, <laughs> and we will never happen. bring you up again. Yeah. Like, like we are just not, you know, yeah. we're, we're not going to go there that, and I super disidentified from that part mm-hmm. of me. But so in recent years, you know, it's been so healing for me to go back. And again, like, I, like I, I was saying last week, every negative emotion, every behavior, everything you've ever said or done, there's a valid reason behind it. And it's always going to be that there are needs that aren't being met. I was doing the best that I possibly could with what I had from where I was to get my needs met, you know, and I was desperately hurting and I didn't know another way, you know, so I feel compassion for myself today. Can I ask you, Alexa, and you don't have to answer, um, or you can answer only to the level that you want, but what makes you most cringe about that part of you? You're literally cringing right now. (laughs) For all the listeners that aren't watching this. Um, (laughs) Well, first of all, sorry, just real quick. One of our listeners wrote, uh, Avoidance. Alicia said my 13, well, I want to read this because she's agreeing with it. She said my 13 to 15 year old me makes me cringe, but she needs the yeah. love the most. Yes. Absolutely. What part of my this self makes me cringe the most? Um, she was so aggressive, like so mm. aggressive and audacious and like defiant. And, like, ran from everything, did not take responsibility for anything, um, was not grounded at all, could not see clearly, Mm. was just chasing – I mean, she was, like – well, this is where I have compassion. She was so starved for love and she just – she chased it so hard, you know, that it made her crazy. Like, that's all she could see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, just just that. But but in that, and maybe I, I don't want to steal your spotlight. She might be going somewhere with this. I have a feeling. But, oh, it's okay, go for it. Well, I was gonna say I can also recognize that while I reject this part of me, mm-hmm. all the attributes that actually are I want from that time like like the audaciousness in a way you know that could be a positive thing right mm-hmm. like I could really need that right now in the mm-hmm. place that I'm going and so when I sit here and reject her and pretend she doesn't exist and uh, never look back at her I am also cutting off that aspect in a positive ab- way absolutely and this is so important to Alexa I'm actually really glad you said that because um, it's not just the pain that's in those um, aspects of us. It's the gold. It's actually who, mm. who we really are too, that we, you know, separated from or maybe like buried. So for me, like what's come back with a lot of those teen selves is like um, creativity, spirit, like just so much, or, you know, or with the inner children, like the purity that's there, the um, the imagination, you know, 
a lot of these qualities, the ability to play, <laughs> that was a big one for me, you know, because I'm like so serious. Um, yeah. it, 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 it's like, there's so much gold, there's so much good stuff in there. And, you know, I mean, my challenge to you, Alexa, would be to, to look at like, um, what were the needs that you were trying to get met, you know, through those strategies, you know, those unconscious strategies? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, yeah, I, I totally – and that will be something great for me to like journal with and and, and mm-hmm. meditate on. But I can, I can, you know, say even now, like I know that – I just was like trying to feel love. Like I didn't know how to feel love and uh, acceptance and and like mm-hmm. connectedness, really connectedness. And then, and then I'm realizing now, you know, with like my habit of like continuously running and like not accepting responsibility, that was really because I felt so called to do what I knew I was supposed to do, and I didn't mm. want anyone to tell me you can't do that. So like. Mm. I didn't want anyone to pull me down and say, you have to work a regular job because I knew that I wasn't supposed to do that, at least in the long term, you know? So Mm -hmm. I just always had this feeling like I can't – like I have to run and I can't look back at any of these things that I've done wrong or that should ground me or anything like that because I know that I'm supposed to do my own thing. And I, for some reason I thought other people would tell me you can't – would hold me back from doing that. You know what I mean? I mean, there may have been some truth to that. It's like you didn't yeah. want to be controlled, right? This is the thing with like teenage selves. It's like we, um, and I, I know this isn't a teen self, but we tend to blame their, um, you know, sometimes outwardly aggressive behavior or like defiant behavior, label that, you know, that way. We tend to blame it on hormones. You know, yeah. it's, it's that. <laughs> like yeah. I, I don't... I, I don't think so. It's more so that like, as we get older, we start to actually get that, like, you know, there's something kind of going on here. That's not okay. You know, mm. like these people are telling me what to do. I'm not sure that they really know what the fuck they're talking about. Right? Yeah. Like you know? what's happening? <laughs> Who let these people in charge of me? Like, why and are they, what's exactly. going on? Like, I remember my, I remember my sister who was like, like a parent figure growing up for me counting pennies so we could go to Disneyland. And I'm like, this ain't normal, honey. Like if we got to count pennies, we shouldn't go. <laughs> right. Whereas when you're a kid, like when you're real little, you're kind yeah. of like, oh, this is just what you do when you go to Disneyland. Like, right. But like as a teenager, I was like, I think it's a bad idea. I think we should probably just skip this one. Yeah. And teenagers are also from a developmental psychology standpoint, you know, connected to, um, a phase of like identity formation that's Mm. sort of like autonomy where you're, you're figuring out who you are and that's healthy and that's normal. But instead of actually helping teenagers through that process, uh, oftentimes we just try to control more, you know? Yeah. And we, we, yeah. Again, it comes from like, (laughs) yeah, again, it comes from this place of like, I want to be responsible and help them and do what I should do Mm -hmm. what society says I should do. And so I want to make sure that I can speak as a teen mom. Mm. Holy hell. Mm. Pray for me, everyone. Because it is like if if your kid's not doing well in school, then you have the teachers being like, well, what's going on at home? And I'm like, I don't know. He seems okay at home. Like everything's 
mm. happy. Maybe he just doesn't like school. You know, like maybe school's not for him. Maybe he's an entrepreneur. Like, I don't know right. what to tell you here. Maybe he just doesn't fit into your box. Yes. Absolutely. And a lot of, a lot of kids don't, I mean, it's like, don't even get me started on the, the public school system. I mean, or just right? school systems so in whole general. Other podcasts. <laughs> whole other podcast. Exactly. But it does go back to relationships because then, then you're, you're going back into these relationships that are imbalanced or not in, not imbalanced. Right. And unbalanced. Thank you. And it's because you want to control, but you don't want to control. You want to control, but you don't want to control. And, and mm, well, it's fighting of all of these different aspects. You. It, right. It's mm. like you feel judgment on you, so you come down on the kid because you feel judgment on you. But then at the same time, you don't want to come down on your child. You want them to be free, but it's that I, outward. I was talking about like as a teenager. Oh. Like the relationships, because as a teenager, like for me, and maybe I'm, you know, maybe I went through a slut phase. It doesn't matter. It's not the point. The point is (laughs) that's like when you, that's like when you start to have relationships is when you're a teenager, right? Am I alone? Yeah. I mean, in in terms of love relationships. In terms of like romantic partners Mm -hmm. and things like that. Maybe not sex, but just romantic partners. Like you're starting to be interested in in romantic relationships and things of that nature. Yeah. And for some of us, that then becomes like the, um, the source of love, you know, and, and that's also maybe a whole other podcast, but I know for me, it was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm grossly unsafe and unsupported at home, but, um, I'm pretty enough to where there are some boys that will pay attention to me. So I'm going to capitalize on that, you know, because, you know, and so it's like, even, even in your joking. And I didn't even pick up a lot of hostility or anything like that when you said this, Ambie, but, um, you know, saying like, I went through a slut phase or like, you know, it's like, we could really judge those things too. Like, um, I've felt tremendous shame in the past for the fact that I was a love addict and I couldn't Mm. actually stay single. And, you know, I I knew that that's what you're supposed to do. And even therapists and people would tell me like, Julia, just be single. Like you should just, you know, Mm. Um, I since like have spent longer periods of time single, but for a long time, it was like two weeks was about all I could take because of how unsafe I felt actually in the world without a partner. But that was, it was like, we just do what we have to do. That was my strategy. Where else was I going to get that feeling of connection and safety and security in a person, you know, protection, even for me, it was, you know, having a man that could protect me. So, so I guess, I mean, just really encouraging, like for you guys and, and for all of the listeners as well, um, to meet those parts of you with compassion. And this is great partnership, like great practice for partnership as well, or for friendships to meet those parts of us with this desire to understand, you know, so like Alexa, for you with your early twenties, you know, your college age self, like. And, and we might think we know, but it's been a while. So, you know, maybe we can go in with this idea of, I actually don't fucking know. Like, I, maybe I don't know what was going on and why, you know, because probably there were deeper levels that even you didn't know at the time that you were reacting. And, and, um, and so we always want to endeavor towards compassion 
you know, in relating to these parts of ourselves. And when we can do that, it becomes easier to have compassion for, um, for others that we're in relationship with. And let other others in in a whole new way and feel more connected in a whole new way. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's hard to receive compassion when you have no self-compassion. You know, it's hard mm. to when you don't have any self-love sometimes, right? Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, this was an awesome episode. Um, we are, yeah, we are just basically over time, but it's fine because this is awesome. Um, Julia, mm. thank you so much for coming back on. This is week two in our four-week series, Forever Love February. Love that name. Julia, where can people, our listeners, reach out to you? How can they work with you? How do yeah. they get to you? Yeah, I would love to uh, love to chat and love to, you know, work with um, folks who are interested. So they can find me on Facebook as Julia Phoenix and message me that way, or they can email questions.julia at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah. We will put, um, those links in the show notes as we always do and definitely reach out to Julia. Um, she's amazing as you can tell. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, too, let us know um, if there's other topics because we have two more podcasts. So yeah. people have suggestions or things they really want to know about. Um, I always want to speak to what people need. So, yeah, let us know. And if you, you know, relationships can be, I think, like a sensitive topic for some. So if you want to like mm-hmm. in private, let us know. Just shoot us an email mm-hmm. or uh email Julia or private message Ambie and myself. Um, We'll have another week before the next episode comes out. So yeah, like really let us know which parts of relationship you would love Julia to speak on um, because this is your moment. This is your time. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Time is now. Time is now, ladies and gentlemen and and all beings. So thank you so much for uh, watching and listening, everyone on Facebook. And um, until next time, keep on blooming. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambie, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within.